a series of heartwarming and honest stories of people around the world saying goodbye to weed, from the first joint to the very last hit. Discover how lives change and witness individuals coming closer to themselves. They tell their stories to help others. Because one thing is for sure, cannabis withdrawal is not always easy. You're listening to Weed Talks, true stories about quitting weed. How did we get here? It's been a little over two months since I came to terms with my weed addiction. And this is one question I ask myself again and again. Addictions are sneaky. You don't just wake up one morning and find a monster in your bed. When I think of the beginning, I find myself going back further and further, unraveling the carefully stacked layers of inconspicuous experiences that led me to becoming addicted to weed in my mid-twenties. I started smoking weed when I was 22. Having grown up shy, sheltered, and too afraid of disappointing my parents to ever dream of rebellion, I didn't touch weed or alcohol until I moved out and started living with my best friends. I didn't smoke frequently. My best friend would have a few puffs from a hitter every night before bed, and she would offer me some, but I was rarely tempted. It was never hard for me to say, no, thank you. When I would smoke, the high would be so intense that I wouldn't want to smoke again for weeks, if not months. My friends had a much higher tolerance than me and would smoke often, but were fine to go without it for as long as they needed to. I had no reason to believe that weed could become addictive. Then came summer 2020, the peak of the pandemic. My roommates and I had moved back in with our parents. The city was on strict lockdown. Around this time, weed was fully legalized where I live, and there seemed to be a new dispensary opening up on every other block in my area. With nothing else to do, my friends and I would pick up food, meet up at a local park, smoke, and talk about how crazy it was to live through a global pandemic and have the world turn upside down, just as we were all beginning our careers. We did this once a week, and despite knowing now that this was when my habit started to gain power over me, I still look back on this time with nothing but fondness and nostalgia. The world was ending, for all we knew, and all we had was this little circle of trust we created over good food and a few pre-rolls a week. Of course, when I wasn't high, I was angry. After having hustled for two years to get my foot in the door, the pandemic shut down the film industry and took away any opportunity I'd had to work on set. I felt cheated. Everyone kept telling me, it's okay, you're not alone, everyone is in the same boat. But all that did was make me even angrier. How is it better that we are all in this together? I'd think. To me, all that meant was that more people were suffering. More young people were losing the futures they'd worked so hard for. And none of us 
had any control in the outcome that would predict our entire lives. I had no idea how to process any of this, and thinking back now, I realize I was even angrier than I was able to perceive then. I've always been very ambitious and determined to get the future I'd felt entitled to. I felt like I was robbed of my dreams. Maybe it makes me sound like a big, fat, entitled baby, but that's how I truly felt at the time, and I had no idea how to deal with it. I was anxious about the future every day. I've never dealt well with uncertainty or change. I used weed to calm my anxiety. Red flag, I know, but I didn't see it at the time. I justified to myself that a harmless, natural substance was just as good, if not better, than any prescribed medication for anxiety. And being zen had to be better than being anxious and pissed off for most of the day. So, I got myself a weed pen, so that I could smoke at my parents' house without raising any suspicion. My once-a-week ritual of smoking with my friends just wasn't enough anymore. I started smoking every night. I looked forward to my late nights alone, getting high and zoning out. It was at this time that I started to isolate more, because I liked the false sense of safety it created for me. The real world was too scary. The future too uncertain. But this world, within the four walls of my bedroom, in the hours of the night where I could be truly alone, with no obligation to exist or even be perceived by anyone else, this world was all mine. In this world, anything could happen. I could have any future I wanted. Or, when that delusion failed to uphold itself, no future at all. Just the mere fact of the present. I had control, or so I thought. The funny thing is, though, the anxiety never went away. It festered, like an unhealed, untreated wound. I was just too stoned to remember. That August, things started to shift again. We were still under lockdown measures, but we could return to work. I got my first gig in a film after almost a year, and with productions having been down for so long, everyone was eager to get back on set, which meant endless opportunities coming my way. This was both incredibly exciting and nerve-wracking. I had been in chill mode for four months. Suddenly, I was back in the game. I had more opportunities than ever before, and I was less prepared than I had ever been. Instead of being anxious about not booking gigs, I was anxious about booking gigs I didn't feel ready for. I leaned heavily on weed again to curb this anxiety. Second red flag. I started working long hours, and every single day I lived outside of my comfort zone. I loved it. I had my life back. The dream that I had worked so hard to manifest, that had been wiped away from underneath me, had finally returned, 
and in a manner more glorious than ever. I was so happy. But having become so accustomed to using weed to deal with stress and anxiety, I'd forgotten how to create and sustain healthy habits. Let this be a lesson, if not to anyone else, to future me. Healthy habits and routines are not just important to have when life isn't going well. We need to stick to them, even if we are happy and the cards seem to be stacked in our favor. Life's circumstances change all the time, and we cannot rely on positive outcomes to sustain our physical and mental health. Whatever you do to cope, whether it's yoga, meditation, journaling, walking in nature, lifting weights, or writing poetry, you need to continue to do it, even when you think you have nothing to cope with. Your habits are the foundation upon which your mental health is built. I know this because even when I was living my best life, booking cool gigs, working on big sets, meeting people I'd seen on TV, I was building up stress and tension just from day-to-day life, and I wasn't coping with it in any positive way. I was still constantly on edge, only it wasn't as obvious. And without a foundation of healthy habits, I coped by coming home, getting high out of mind, and completely dissociating from reality. From fall 2020 to fall 2021, my weed habit grew to become a core part of my identity. It's hard for me to make a final judgment about this time of my life. I know that in the moment, I felt happy even if that happiness wasn't real, so to speak. I was advancing to bigger roles on bigger projects, connecting and bonding with other passionate creatives, spending time with family and friends, and making fond memories. But I was also going through a lot of pain and denial in the face of that pain. I didn't confront, let alone process, a single negative emotion. I can't blame weed completely for this. Sure, the weed helped me stay in that little world of delusion, but it didn't create it. I can't credit it that much. In fact, it was my addiction itself, and my reflecting upon when it started, that made me realize that I've always been like this. How did we get here? My parents had me when they were just 22. They were kids. Kids who had to flee their country in the midst of a war that not only threatened their future, but threatened their lives. They've witnessed terror I can't even imagine in my darkest nightmares. I don't blame them for not knowing how to be good parents, even if I haven't figured out how to properly forgive them yet. I learned to tiptoe around them, from a very young age. I learned to hide my emotions, to pretend that everything was okay so that no one would be upset, so that I would be safe. At some point, I became so good at hiding my emotions that I started to hide them from myself. I never learned how to process my feelings, least of all when they were distressing. As a kid, teen, 
and even early adult. I would cope with stress with escapism. Whenever I faced an unfavorable outcome, I would cling on to delusions and escape to fantasies to make myself feel better. The stories in my head became my preferred reality. I would often go through phases of isolation and dissociation, spending days in my room, locked in my own head where I felt safe. I would create intricate plots of alternate realities and sometimes even act them out by myself. I would look forward to being alone so that I could play out my latest favorite scenario without getting caught and looking crazy. I didn't just escape to fantasies to distract myself from stress. I also escaped in times of boredom or loneliness. I would go to the world inside my head to feel the happy feelings that I lacked in the real world. Ones of acceptance, belonging, meaning, and love. I remember the rare moments when I would catch a glimpse of my reflection while acting out a conversation and being numbed by fear and shame as the reality of what I was doing set in. It scares me to write this all down now. It's something I've never admitted to anyone in my life. In the summer of 2021, my weed habit peaked. I was high all day, every day. I carried my pen around with me everywhere I went. I was only functioning at work because my gig was so easy. It only really required me to physically be there. It was also at this time that more and more of the negative consequences of my addiction had started to appear. I had lost my appetite. I was only able to eat while high. If I was at a relative's house or otherwise unable to get high without getting caught, I wouldn't be able to swallow a single bite of food without throwing up. I woke up nauseous every morning, and I attributed that to my anxiety, which I would then self-medicate with weed. My anxiety had worsened. I was anxious all the time, even in familiar circumstances and around people I'd previously felt safe with. I felt dread. This lingering feeling of resistance to do anything, even the things I used to enjoy. I'd never experienced depression before in my life, and still don't know if that's what this was, but I felt a constant, looming sense of existential dread that made me not want to do anything. Everything felt like an impossible chore that I could only tolerate high. Even the activities I previously enjoyed, like meditation, yoga, writing, and being in nature. Worst of all, my motivation had vanished completely. I had gone from being a hustler at work, who came in every day with the intention to do my best, make connections, and do meaningful work, to being a stoner who would do the bare minimum to not get fired and sneak away from set to take puffs from my pen. Sometimes, when you think back on how your addiction started, the signs are so painfully obvious in retrospect. But in the moment, I had no idea that all of this was even happening. 
let alone that it was linked to my growing weed addiction. I thought I had grown, and I had, in some ways. I was getting closer and closer to confronting the ghosts that had haunted me my entire life. I was getting to know myself better. I was slowly peeling away at the layers of personas created by my ego to protect me from the truth it didn't think I could handle. I was getting closer to the core of my being. I still don't know if weed helped or harmed that endeavor. On one hand, weed helped me access a part of my mind where I could escape this three-dimensional interface of reality to ponder the universe, consciousness, God, and the meaning of life. And asking questions about the universe ultimately led me back to asking questions about myself. I found that my perceptions of the outer world reveal my beliefs about myself. The inside of you is constantly reflected on the outside of you. You see the world not as it is, but as you are. And perhaps those are one and the same. On the other hand, maybe if I had focused on building my practice of mindfulness, instead of taking weed as a shortcut to a sense of temporary calmness, I would have experienced these awakenings in a sustainable way, without compromising my mental and physical health. Things fall apart, and sometimes everything falls apart, suddenly and all at once. Life changed again in November 2021. My easy gig ended, and without my motivation or eagerness for success, I had nothing to push me to find another one. I was unemployed and spending a lot of time at home. My relationship with my parents took a turn for the worst. And for the first time since I started smoking weed, getting high wasn't enough to numb the pain. I felt it all. Everything I had been running from my entire life. 26 years of unprocessed, repressed pain had finally boiled to the surface and threatened to drown me out. Escapism stopped working. No matter how much I smoked, I couldn't get away from myself. It felt like the lights were being turned on in the darkest corners of my unconscious, and I was running out of places to hide. Nothing and nowhere felt safe. One night, I remember lying in bed, knowing that I wanted nothing more than to die. I had never in my life experienced suicidal thoughts. It frightened me so much that it awakened something inside me. For the first time, I realized how deeply sad I was and how ancient was my feeling of unworthiness. I felt sorry for myself. I felt a sense of injustice, the way you would feel empathy toward someone you love. I felt self-love, and for the first time in a long time, I wanted better, because I knew I deserved better. Then, something clicked. I knew that I had to feel my pain, whatever it was and however deep, in order to heal. I knew that I had to be present with my pain, 
that I couldn't just make it go away with weed. I knew that I had to welcome pain with love and open arms, instead of hating myself for still feeling it after all this time and all this life. I took my first break from weed in January 2022. I still didn't think I had an addiction. It never occurred to me that I could be an addict. I just knew that weed made me forget, and now it was my time to remember. So that's what I did, and it was awful. It became more and more clear to me just how clueless I was about processing my feelings. I threw myself into my meditation practice, reading and journaling. I had cravings every night and would do anything to distract myself from them. I found that moving and being physically active was the best way to curb the cravings, so I started to work out religiously. None of this was easy. None of it was enjoyable. I didn't feel better. I felt every emotion in the book, like I was in the eye of a storm. I still couldn't process my feelings, but I was starting to recognize them. Whenever I felt a surge of anxiety or sadness, I would force myself to sit still and merely observe the feeling by noting its physical manifestations. Instead of trying to ask myself why I felt anxious and what I could do about it, I would simply note, my heartbeat is racing, my palms are sweaty. I tried to develop a habit of observing my feelings without judgment. It helped tremendously. Eventually, I did feel better. I wasn't sad all the time, and I even found myself getting excited for the future again. Then, I started smoking again. It's a tale as old as time. You start with once a week, then you tell yourself that only at night before bed is fine. Then, before you know it, you're back to getting high all day, every day. I thought I had done the work, that I had my habits back in order, and I could handle moderation. And I could. But moderation wasn't enough to feel like myself again. After April, I never smoked more than once a day. And after May, never before getting ready for bed. I had reduced my consumption by a lot and managed to sustain it. I had achieved my goal of moderation, but it wasn't the destination I thought it would be. On June 24, 2022, I finished all my work for the day and ended with a smoke session to reward myself. At that point, I was smoking a few times per week and only after completing my task list. I was, for all intents and purposes, moderating my consumption. But I wasn't happy. I wasn't satisfied. Getting high that night didn't feel like a reward. It felt like a punishment. I realized I'd been setting myself up for a less fulfilling life by associating getting high with joy. I wanted to feel real, unadulterated joy and passion again, even if that meant also feeling real, unfiltered pain 
and anxiety. That was the last time I smoked weed. How did we get here? I didn't wake up one day at rock bottom and know I needed to quit weed. For me, the clarity and motivation I got from initially cutting back my consumption was what ultimately led me to decide to try sobriety. The week after was absolute hell, but I'd been there before. I found an online community to lean on, one that I never knew existed. Slowly, I started to come to terms with the fact that what I'd gone through the last few years is a full-blown addiction. I resonated with the experiences of others and realized that I wasn't alone and didn't have to be ashamed. I also realized that there isn't a single right way to get sober. Every time I failed, I came closer to succeeding. Even now, I haven't committed to being sober forever. For some people, that works. For me, making a grand declaration like forever is too overwhelming and leads me to self-destruction and failure. So instead, I say to myself, I can smoke weed whenever I want, but I don't want to today. Today, I will be sober. My sobriety is one part of a much bigger story. The demon I wrestle with isn't weed. It's my fear that suffering is inevitable. That real life is not about chasing or even creating happiness, but about experiencing both happiness and pain, deeply and with your full attention. It's my fear of not being good enough and my tendency to run away from all the things that scare me. My addiction pushed me over the edge and forced me to face my fears for the first time in my life. It forced me to meet myself at my core, and for that, I am grateful. To anyone wrestling with demons, I'd just like to say that the greatest lesson I've taken away from all this, a truth that all of the experiences of my life seem to converge on, is that your pain must be felt. Whatever your pain is, it demands your full attention. And to defeat pain, you mustn't try to destroy it. I'm not sure it can be destroyed. You must instead integrate it. Your suffering is the yang to your yin. It is the opposite face of your coin. You must grow bigger around it and absorb it into your being. And the only way I know how to do that is through gratitude. Gratitude, not despite, but because. Be grateful for your suffering, and you will no longer be afraid of it. Thank you for listening to We Talks. Stay tuned for the latest episodes and subscribe to We Talks on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You can also find us on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at We Talks Podcast. Do you have an experience you'd like to share? Your story can help others. Contact us by sending an email to stories at wetalks.com. We hope to see you next time.